Hello and welcome back into yet another another NFL week at Lineum Up. After the wild ride that was week two, we are back to talk, you know, fantasy lineups, real life lineups, betting lines, over-unders, everything that comes with week two in the NFL. And speaking of two in a row, we got two weeks in a row with Brendan. Welcome back to the show. Hey, we're we're on a streak. Look out. And Eric, as always, holding it down, the ever-reliable, ever-knowledgeable Eric. How you doing this week, Eric? Hey, I'm doing all right. It's first day of fall. It's, uh, we're welcoming in football weather as, as the weather gets a little cooler. And it's definitely nice to see all these games rolling by every week. Yeah, so uh, after another super exciting week two that had a lot of, you know, week one was plenty surprising, and then that just continued over into week two. Um, going over well, surprising, surprising for some in week two. Then. I mean, that's fair. Had a better pick week that's fair. And then, and the uh, people who had the better picking week was certainly not me. Uh, certainly not me. Uh, and I didn't even have a, a, a very fun week in terms of act, like real life results or fantasy results. But we'll get into that. We'll discuss my misery in just a bit. Um, before we get to that, want to just quickly recap the scores. You know, see anything that stuck out to you, boys. This past week, we talked about on the last podcast that Thursday night nail-biter between the Washington football team and the Giants. Then we kicked off Sunday. The Bears got somewhat of a surprising win, I would say, against a Bengals team that looked a little a, a little bit better than they played in Week 2 when they faced the Vikings in Week 1. Browns 31, Texans 21. Texans hold it in close against the... Uh, much lauded Cleveland Browns. Nick Chubb does go for 95 yards, but the Texans pull it out, uh, or the Browns pull it out, excuse me, but they do not cover. Another one that was probably closer than expected, Rams 27, Colts 24. My boy, Cooper Cup, called him out at, in last week's show. He delivered eleven or nine receptions, excuse me, on 11 targets, 163 yards, two touchdowns. Then the big goose egg in Miami, Dolphins 0, Bills 35, Tua injured, Josh Allen better, not great, but Bills with the big win. Patriots had the uh, Jets quarterback once again seeing Ghost and once again making Eric very frustrated. Uh, Zach Wilson, four interceptions, Jets lose 25-6, screw over our parlay, all in one. They punted once because of those four interceptions, everyone, just just... So you're understanding where I'm coming from. Did they even they, they punt, did punt once? once. I, I legitimately, I thought they punted oh, They, they punted once in the first oh, okay. uh, half. And then they had, like, I think they had a sequence where they went, like, interception, field goal, interception. So they never punted again. Thanks a lot, Zach Wilson. Thanks a lot to Jets. Always reliable. Always reliable to disappoint. Uh, then, in a game that was not as high scoring as we all thought, and experienced plenty of sadness for Brendan this time. 49ers 11, or 49ers 17, Eagles 11. Elijah Mitchell gets hurt. Not paying off so far on the investment, but we'll see if that can turn around later. In what maybe was the happiest game of the week for Eric, Panthers 26, Saints 7. The hype train continues for the Carolina Panthers. DJ Moore goes off a for a big one, uh, eight receptions, 79 yards, and a touchdown. And then in a game that I was trying to avoid, but my co-host wouldn't let me, Raiders 26, <laughs> Steelers 17. Uh, are the Raiders good? Who knows? Is the Steelers' offense kind of bad? That's for certain. Uh, <laughs> then 
the Jaguars didn't get shut out as Brendan thought they might, but they did lose to the Broncos 23-13. Offense still looks stuck in second gear for Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence, and that may be even putting it generously. Uh, and then another nail-biter in what was probably the most Vikings game that could ever Viking. Vikings 33, Cardinals 34. Cardinals win on a missed Vikings field goal. Carl- Kyler Murray once again excellent. Uh, the Buccaneers did cover their spread against the Falcons and did it in a big way, 48-25. Tom Brady's still good. Buccaneers still good. Nothing really else to report. Uh, And what was another disappointing result for me, uh, Cowboys 20, Chargers 17. Cowboys walk it off with a field goal, though Mike Williams, who Eric highlighted last week, still has a good game. And perhaps one of the most exciting games of the week titans 33 seahawks 30 in overtime derrick henry bounces back in a big way with uh over 200 total yards and a couple of touchdowns tyler lockett also a huge game then sunday night uh i have a new rule of thumb apparently where if the ravens are playing in prime time whenever i go to sleep whatever the ravens are doing they will be doing the opposite when i wake up last week I went to sleep. The Ravens were winning against the Raiders. They lost that game. This week, I went to sleep. The Ravens were losing to the Chiefs. But Lamar Jackson goes for it all, gets the win against the Chiefs for the first time in his career. Ravens back on track. Uh, Chiefs looking for a little turnaround. And then finally, in what was easily the saddest game of the week, and we'll get into why for me, and yes, even sadder than the Steelers losing, it was... Packers 35, Lions 17, Aaron Jones had a big game, and we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit in greater detail. So, boys, with all those scores recapped, what stood out for you the most from week two? I mean, I'll go I'll go first here. I, I have two things. First of all, Panthers looked really good against the Saints team, but I think that's a lot more due to the fact that Jameis uh, is still Jameis, and he threw a lot of interceptions. I can't really tell if this Panthers defense is for real yet. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing their next couple of matchups to see, you know, how that plays out. And secondly, I mean, we got to talk about and highlight again the Ravens-Chiefs game. What an amazing game. I really thought the Ravens were down and out. Um, I had, similarly to John, kind of counted them out toward, uh, you know, bedtime on primetime uh, night. And turns out Lamar Jackson really wanted to win the game. So they went for it, and they pulled out a win against uh, the Chiefs, who they haven't been able to do so. Hardly – actually, I think this is their first win against the Chiefs. With, uh, for yeah, Lamar, with Lamar so. quarterback. They were 0-3 before that. Right, so big win for them, big confidence booster, and they, they get to avoid starting 0-2, so definitely important for them. Eric, what's it out to you? Yeah, I guess staying on that Chiefs-Ravens game, I, I think – there were a couple of unfortunate turnovers on the Chiefs side, ill-timed. Uh, I, I remember that Patrick Mahomes threw an interception they really didn't need to let go of the ball on, and then Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who had 13 carries for 46 yards and wasn't that involved in the game or didn't make a significant uh, difference until he fumbled uh, the ball away on one of the Chiefs' last drives uh, and basically gave the game to the Ravens there. So I, I think that's interesting to see if they continue to rush more or continue to put the, the ball more in Mahomes' hands and keep putting it through him. Um, because they drafted Clyde over the layer as a pass catching back, but he hasn't done too much out of the backfield. Um, it doesn't even look like he had a catch in that Ravens game either. Um, yeah, the Chiefs' offense really confuses me with that, Eric. I mean, I know, yeah, they, they spent this draft capital on the pass catching back Clyde over the layer, and, and I think 
they are – we'll have to double-check this. I'm pretty sure the Chiefs are currently uh, the lowest passing to the running back position team uh, per game in the NFL after two weeks. I, I think they're averaging just over five attempts toward running backs uh, in the passing game, that is, uh, per game right now. And so that's obviously not – Ideal for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and obviously not ideal for Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, fantasy owners, as I am unfortunately one right now. Yeah, so we'll definitely need to keep an eye on that backfield. And the other part I'll mention quick is just a few of those quarterback turnover changes that we're going to be expecting in the upcoming week. Uh, Justin Fields came in for Andy Dolan uh, after Andy Dolan got injured. Uh, Justin Fields didn't look particularly good when I was watching that Bears-Bengals game. Uh, he did run the ball 10 times, though, for 31 yards. So maybe now that he'll be prepared for a whole week, it'll be interesting to see how he comes out next week. Uh, with Tua getting injured and with Tyra Taylor also getting injured, there's also a turnover on those teams. So we'll see how those shake out in the coming weeks. Yeah, we get to see Fields. We also get to see Davis Mills and Jacoby Brissett. Uh, kind of much less exciting. Those names but getting fields under under center in the saddle for the bears should bring a lot of excitement to their game against the browns which we will talk about later in the show to update the uh pickums so the against the spread pickums uh brendan staying pretty consistent he was nine six and one in the first week and then nine and seven in this uh this latest week eric bouncing back in a very nice way as well goes nine and seven to equal brendan after going four eleven and one in the first week me did not do so well uh i went five and eleven to bring up the rear uh and i am currently tied with eric with an overall record of 13 18 and one whereas brendan storming out to the early five game lead uh 18 13 and one so we'll see if we can maybe uh chase down brendan a little bit this week eric or if uh he can just continue uh waving at us in his rearview mirror yeah i mean it's not how you start it's, it's how you finish right and if you look at oh, absolutely. If, you, if you compare week one versus week two i'm the only one that actually improved upon last week's score so i'm clearly learning i don't know about you two so we'll have to keep an eye on that as well i mean to be fair it is both how you start and how you finish in the betting game so I will happily take my early lead, but you're right. It is a long season. I'm not I'm not counting you guys out yet. It's only a five-game lead. Uh, but I do have some some pretty interesting picks for you guys later this, this episode, so we'll see where you guys stand. Yes, but before we get to that, we have to dive into the fantasy aspect. And not only was I the big loser in the picks, not only was I the big loser in the sense that the Steelers uh, lost to the Raiders, but I was the big loser in the sense that I went up against one in one league, Brendan. Uh, and that was a pretty decisive victory for Brendan. Kyler Murray, he has on his team, like I said, played really well. Had really good performances from Tyler Lockett and DJ Moore. And my team played decent, but ultimately uninspiring fantasy football. So, you know, claps to Brendan for, uh, you know, putting a thorough beat down on me. But then... Thank you, thank you. In the other league, if you guys, listeners at home, will remember, I was going up against Eric. And let me set the scene for you. Uh, heading into the Monday night game, I was holding roughly a 19.5 point lead over Eric. 19.5 points. Nothing to, uh, you know, turn up your nose at. It's, 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 it's a 
not a the hugest of leads, but it is still. I think most people would take a 19 and a half point lead heading into Monday. Yeah, yeah considering, I, how, I think so. considering how John's team looked, I mean, Cooper he had Cooper Cup just so everyone knew, and he, he John mentioned this stat line earlier. He scored 32.3 points alone, um, so that definitely helped this team a lot in, in the, uh, getting that early lead. So I had 19 and, uh, 19 and a half point lead or so heading into the Monday night game. I had no one playing. I was done. Eric had Aaron Jones. And uh, if we have to highlight, I'm going to highlight Aaron Jones now as the one player that stood out the most for me, not only for his epic performance, but for the epic way that he destroyed my fantasy heart this week. Um, we, you know, put in our rundown which players we wanted to highlight, some key stats. I just wrote Aaron Jones, Maximum Sadness, because, oh my goodness, he needed 19 and a half points. He doubled that. He he doubled that. Yeah, he flew past that. Uh, I mean, he, 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 he had you beat after the first half. Yeah, no, no, no. Not, shocking, not, not, like, not he had me beat in terms of, like, he was in a position to win. Like, literally after the first half, I was losing. He had already put up, like, 20-something points. By halftime, I was losing. I was sad. I ended up losing by like 18, almost 19 points. So, uh, thanks, Aaron Jones. Really appreciate that one, bud. Um, was really looking forward to being obviously not ideal. In that, in that, uh, like... obviously not ideal for John. But uh, yeah, big win for Eric. He uh, just narrowly, but not really narrowly, escaped going 0 and 2 in that league. And I, I, I also was very close to going 0 and 2 against. Uh, one of the players I thought I had a better chance to win against last week in my league, and uh, I was pretty nervous. But thankfully, uh, my quarterback for the week uh, in that league was Lamar Jackson, and I did not feel great about that game heading into it for him. Uh, he has struggled against the Chiefs in his career, but uh, he is my player of the week for fantasy this week, not just because he's on my team and not just because I wrote maximum happiness next to his name, unlike John, um, but he not only put the Ravens team on his back along with that defense. we got to call out the Ravens defense for those uh, big turnovers for the end of the game. Um, but he put a lot of fantasy owners on his back this week too, and he put up uh, over 30 points. He was 18 of 26 passing uh, for 239 yards, and he had three total touchdowns, including two rushing on his own. So uh, big game for him and big fantasy win for me. Uh, me and Eric both moved to 1-1 one and one in that league. I'm sitting pretty, as John mentioned, in the other league with a uh, nice win over him and 2-0 and in that league, so looking to keep that rolling. And, Eric, you want to take a, another Aaron Jones victory lap, or do you have uh, something else you want to point out? Well, I mean, I think to uh, set the standings clear, I mean, we're all one and one here. John's also one. He won his first week while both Brandon and I lost the first week. So we're basically even in the standings. Uh, I definitely pulled out a big win. It's definitely reassuring to have that one and one uh, record, uh, considering how confident I felt about my team. Uh, for any of those listening that may be playing fantasy as an 0-2 record, the season is definitely not over. You, there's definitely another week to play that is added to this season as well. Uh, so there's definitely still a lot of the season to go. Uh, so I wouldn't be too worried just yet um, and keep sticking to those those fantasy lineups. Uh, I guess I'll also highlight one player. I, I know we talked about Aaron Jones and Lamar Jackson. Uh, I'm going to pivot from the one I have in the rundown, actually, because similar to last week, I highlighted Mike Williams. Um, who was uh, not completely owned. Um, so I'll highlight another one that was uh, more of a hotter waiver wire pickup this week, I think, uh, in Rondell Moore, playing for the Arizona Cardinals. 
I believe he effectively came in as a number three, maybe even number four behind A.J. Green and uh, Christian Kirk, and also DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, as a number one. Um, but it seems like he's moved up to the number two option even. I mean, last week against the Minnesota Vikings, he had seven receptions on eight targets for 114 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he definitely uh, showed what he could do in the, against the Tennessee game during the first week as well, uh, averaging about 17 yards per reception. And he definitely seems to be like a big playmaker that the Cardinals need, particularly on this high-flying uh, offense that Tyler Murray is leading and he's willing to chuck the ball down to him. So it's definitely someone to keep an eye on as the Cardinals move forward as well. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Rondell Moore. Eric, sorry, John, to mean to cut you off. I, I, I love Rondell Moore, especially in a league, uh, you know, where we have keepers like ours. Uh, picking him up off the waivers, that's a huge, a huge, huge pick for your team. I mean, if he plays out and ends up being the number two option in this high-powered offense, as you mentioned, that's huge opportunity for you, especially in the flex spot where you're probably picking him up to play right now especially going forward. And this is a guy who I think one of the most important features of him is that Kyler Murray was pushing the coaching staff, sending them videotape of this guy in college and saying, we need to go out and get this guy. He's really good. So you know when a quarterback's pushing for a wide receiver, he's going to be looking for him on the field. And he's got incredible speed, incredible athleticism, and he looks great on the field right now. Hopefully he can keep it rolling. Yeah, and I I think it'll be interesting. Uh, I do wonder a little bit with, the Cardinals and with the way they like to play offense, whether or not uh, Kyler or excuse me, Rondell Moore is going to become a bit of a boomer bust play, um, just depending on the matchup, depending on what they're trying to do that week. But if you saw, especially his freshman tape in college, and as followers of Northwestern football, I think we can all remember his coming out party that year against Northwestern. Um, but yeah, this dude is electric. He struggled a lot with injuries in college, but um, as long as he stays healthy, uh, he has the tools to be something special and to make a dynamic, if diminutive, uh, duo with him and Kyler Murray. And so, moving into our start-sit decision of the week, I think I went uh, 0 for 2 in the start-sit decision last week between, uh, I think it was... Debo, Robbie Anderson, and Julio Devontae Smith. I picked Robbie and Devontae. Uh, Julio and Debo were clearly the better plays. So maybe I'll turn it around this week. But we start with one that directly affects my roster in our league at Leaks. And that is the decision to start A.J. Brown going up against the Colts or believe in the hype that we saw from Mike Evans versus the Falcons and give him a go when they're when the Bucks take on the Rams. And now, boys, uh, maybe somewhat selfishly, I want to hear your uh, viewpoint on this before I say my piece. See if you can maybe sway me into making a, a, a different decision. Eric, how about we go with you first? Who would you be playing between these two? For me, it'd be no question to be Mike Evans. So one of the reasons I pivoted my rundown here is because I actually want to talk about it here is that Julio Jones had a really good game last week. Six receptions on eight targets, 128 yards, and a touchdown called back. So he didn't actually have a touchdown. Um, but if you're watching that game, I definitely thought it should have been a touchdown. While A.J. Brown last week, he had nine targets but only caught three of them. And I believe I remember the game correctly, he did have a couple of drops. So he's clearly not in sync with Ryan Tannehill right now. And I think it might take a couple games to see him back in groove with him and see how this offense is going to look with both Julio Jones and A.J. Brown running because they both haven't been on at the same time yet. 
On the other side, for Mike Evans, uh, I think this is even more of a no-brainer now. Upon hearing news this morning that Antonio Brown is on the COVID reserve list at the moment, so uh, while Antonio Brown had a good first week, usually I think when we're looking at the Bucks offense, one, sorry, well, two or the three uh, wide receivers usually has a good game between Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Antonio Brown. Now with Antonio Brown out, I think it's even more more likely that Mike Evans. Uh, catches the touchdowns or gets the yardage that he needs against this Rams team. Brennan, are you similarly on the uh, Evans Evans bandwagon, or, or are you going to give some love to A.J. Brown? I am 100% firmly on the other side here. I love A.J. Brown in this matchup, and Eric, you mentioned that he had a couple drops last week. That's even more reason for me to say that he should be the one starting over Mike Evans because he catches those passes, his fantasy week looks even more spectacular, and you probably have a lot more confidence and probably aren't even making this decision going into this week. It's just A.J. Brown. You start him. He's the number one receiver on this Titans team. I think Tannehill's poised to start getting this offense going. Derrick Henry obviously broke out last week, and I think that's going to fuel the fire with the play action for this Titans team and open things up for both A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. I actually think both of them have a decent game fantasy-wise. And Mike Evans, I mean, let's be honest. The Rams' defense, I think, is going to – present a few issues for this Tom Brady Bucks offense and this might be the first time we see some cracks in the armor this year in the Bucks. I'm not as high on the Bucks as I think you guys are and most people generally um, but I, I do believe that when the Bucks get into the red zone they're going to be looking for Rob Gronkowski to get those touches and get those targets so I'm not super um, high on Mike Evans to score a touchdown this week which I think would be necessary for him to outpace A.J. Brown in this matchup. And for that reason, I'll take the safety. I'll take the floor with A.J. Brown. However, John, uh, this is your team, so I'm curious to see what your opinion is. Uh, Break the tie for us. So here is my issue. I have two things that are sort of dissuading me against, you know, one thing for each player. My worry with Mike Evans is that as the bigger, more physical receiver – if I am Raheem Morris, the new defensive coordinator of the Los Angeles Rams, that's who I'm sticking Jalen Ramsey on. And that makes me very worried because Jalen Ramsey, one of the most physical corners in football, one of, if not the best corner in football, that matchup worries me, especially after we saw a lackluster performance from Mike Evans in week one and so I think the volatility is certainly there with AJ Brown on the other hand I I really like the player I I think you know Brendan has some good points he and Tannehill you know were super in sync last year and we haven't seen that so far this year but you get the feeling that it may be just a matter of time um, before they get back on the same page and they are going up against a Colts secondary that right now is allowing the uh, the fifth most points to wide receivers in fantasy. And so that is definitely a, a thing in A.J. Brown's favor. But there are reports at a Titans camp or at a Titans practice this week that uh, Brown has been limited by a knee injury. And so that gives me a lot of pause. If you were to force me to make a decision right now, I might lean towards Evan, especially Evans, especially in the light of what Eric was saying about Antonio Brown being out of out potentially out of the game because of COVID. But 
there, I think, still is plenty of room for me to, you know, change my mind maybe a couple times between now and Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a close one. I think it's a close one for sure. Uh, I'm curious to see what you end up going with, but, hey, you got two good options, and that's pretty much all you can ask for. And then, you know, another person who needs some help, and, and this time it's, you know, it's still benefiting one of the co-hosts. Eric, you need some help at quarterback, bud? You want to set this one up for us? Well, I wouldn't. I think I've already made my decision. But I, I thought this was an interesting question. I'm curious to know what everyone's take was and, and what their outlook was for the rest of the season. So, And I also didn't want to pick another wide receiver group. So I, I decided to pivot the quarterback for uh, to ask you guys between the choice between Ryan Tannehill versus the Colts that we, that we already talked about, Teddy Bridgewater, who's been playing well and is playing the Jets this week, or Daniel Jones, who had a couple of rushing touchdowns the first two weeks versus the Atlanta Falcons at the moment. So I'm curious to know who you guys think has a better outlook in the the week three matchups here for me this is yeah i see what's going on here i'm not a big fan of what's happening I, I, you guys are getting fantasy advice and i'm not what's happening here guys hey talk to eric he's the one who comes up with these uh fun start sit decisions i, I think we're rotating in our basis and since you guys are only uh letting me put two in so I, I would say that i'm the one that's more forced to pick two of the three of us here uh we'll definitely have the opportunity to switch between the other rosters as we uh, have future podcasts I'm talking to your manager. I want to talk to your manager. Are you going to become the Karen of the podcast, Brendan? Is that what's going on here? I think if we had to name a Karen right now, it's probably me. And I'm, I'm a little upset about it, but I might as well play into my role. Um, but back to the, the question, though. I, I think it's a pretty easy Daniel Jones just based on the, on the rushing upside alone. And also, I just think that Atlanta presents the easiest matchup of the three of the ones that you listed. I would probably even lean Daniel Jones... Uh, again for the rushing upside the rest of the season not necessarily though this not necessarily just this week but I'm not like in love with Daniel Jones as a fantasy quarterback or a real life quarterback but because he presents the most rushing upside of any of these guys that you named um, that would be my pick for this week and if you made me pick uh, that'd be my pick going forward yeah I'm firmly in in the Daniel Jones camp and I think I think Eric is as well based on the fact that he's already picked him up I love the matchup for him against Atlanta from a fantasy standpoint because Atlanta really struggles with mobile quarterbacks. And I think Daniel Jones proved last week that he can be the Giants' number one rusher, uh, number one running back even, uh, while Saquon continues to prove that he's healthy and and prove that he deserves more touches. Uh, I think Daniel Jones is going to have a good fantasy week uh, against the struggling Falcons offense and get out and have some room to run similar to last week against Washington. I don't hate Teddy Bridgewater against the Jets either. I actually think that that's, on paper, a better matchup than Daniel Jones against the Falcons. But I do like that Daniel Jones um, will be getting a ton of looks to run the ball for sure. So he's got a chance to score a touchdown even uh, on the ground, and I think he'll have uh, overall an okay game against the Falcons. And let's not forget, Daniel Jones, I think, is fantasy quarterback number four through two weeks. He's indeed. He's indeed. So, Eric, is that who you landed on with your decision? That is who I'm going to start with this week, I, although I am a little surprised you guys both picked Daniel Jones. I, he might have a stronger matchup this week, I guess. Um, but his uh, stats are buoyed by the two rushing touchdowns that he had, and he's not going to get that every week. You might think that he's going to run, rush a ton, um, but if you take away those 12 points, that's, I think, a pretty significant factor. I think if you're looking for a floor play, I think it's going to be Teddy Bridgewater here. He, if you look at Daniel Jones's matchups last year, and I don't think too much has changed, 
he definitely has a much lower floor than what you're going to get out of uh, Teddy Bridgewater. So I, from my perspective, I think it could be a particularly risky play to, uh, if Daniel Jones isn't able to get out in space or he isn't able to hit his throws. I think Teddy Bridgewater has been doing a splendid job in spreading the ball around and, and uh, getting his receivers involved in particular. And obviously we're dis- dismissing Ryan Tannehill here. Um, See... <laughs> See, right. I don't want to dismiss Ryan Tannehill, though, because Ryan Tannehill would have been my second choice. I think he he plays in such a good offense mm-hmm. that, uh, and he has such good weapons around him that he would be the one that I would be most intrigued with this week after Daniel Jones. And I think the, uh, the upside of him going forward, you could argue, is even higher than Daniel Jones because... We, I feel like we're at a point in terms of fantasy football, and this was talked about a lot in the offseason. If you follow, you know, the big fantasy analysts, we're at the point in fantasy football where there aren't a lot of quarterbacks that you should be willing to play if they don't provide you potential rushing upside. Daniel Jones certainly provides that. Ryan Tannehill at times has provided that. But Teddy Bridgewater does not provide that at all. And so to me, if I was ordering these, I would go Jones, Tannehill, Bridgewater. But I might go Tannehill, uh, Jones, Bridgewater if you're talking about for the rest of the season. I actually completely agree. That was the last point I was going to make. That was the last point I was going to make. I would keep Tannehill long term uh, and probably list Jones and Bridgewater after that in that order. But if we're talking about next week in particular, I'm going with Daniel Jones. Sorry, go ahead, Brandon. No, I was going to say I agree with you. I think I think this week Bridgewater is a floor play. I agree with you, Eric. I think Tannehill long-term I like a little bit more than Daniel Jones, although I do like Daniel Jones more than Bridgewater for sure um, long-term. And moving out of that, out of the fantasy world, back into the real world, <laughs> let's talk week, week three schedule. Let's talk the week three schedule. Let's go through these games. Let's get these picks. And I think this is a pretty good schedule this week. I don't know about you. I mean, you could argue that any week with any FL football is a good week of football. But I think there are some interesting matchups that as we continue to figure out who these teams are, we're going to learn some things this week. We're going to you know, see some teams maybe distinguish themselves. And this week, we start with uh, a matchup that is near and dear to Eric's heart as the official hype man of the Carolina Panthers. It is Panthers-Texans Thursday night. We're all on the Panthers, even though they're giving eight. Eric, why do you think the Panthers can cover this eight points as the official Panthers hype man? Yeah, to the Texans' credit, they've been outperforming expectations. Their offense has been on point. But with Tyrod Taylor out, who's been uh, running the offense pretty efficiently, but now with a rookie quarterback in, and with the Panthers' defense playing above expectations as well on short rest, I think it's going to be a no-brainer for the Panthers to kind of shut down this Texans offense and for Christian McCaffrey and kind of Sam Darnold to get in their usual groove and spread the ball around to like DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and the type. Uh, and but you that- should definitely – I know we're going to expand our repertory here, John. Uh, you should definitely find out if that – Northwestern Wildcats noise is copyrighted and like throw that in right here. Or for those listening, just imagine it right now or like look it up. Every time we talk about the Panthers. <laughs> Go ahead. I can I can I can look into some cat some cat sound effects uh for the episode forward. <laughs> um and so moving in from a game where we are all on one team to one where I am once again 
you know, going off the beaten path, we have Bills hosting the Washington football team. So Washington football team at Bills. Bills giving, it has been bet down from nine to seven and a half. I'm on the Bills to cover. And my reason thinking here is that I think after the performance we saw last week, after sort of the emergence of more involvement for Zach Moss and Devin Singletary out of the Buffalo backfield, for a Josh Allen that I think continues to get better and but maybe has not reached his peak. To me, Josh Allen is a much better Daniel Jones. Like they they offer a very similar skill set, but Josh Allen is just way 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 more talented and way 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 more productive. And so I'm pretty confident that after seeing Daniel Jones uh, put up some really good numbers against this Washington football team defense last week. I'm confident that the Bills can repeat a lot of what we saw against Miami, um, not to the set extent that they're going to shut them out because obviously Miami was playing with their backup quarterback, and at least what we've seen so far, Heineke is a better player than J- Jacoby Brissett this season. Um, but I think the Bills do enough to cover. What do you think about that, Brendan? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, almost, I'm almost offended for – Josh Allen, by by John's comment, comparing him to Daniel Jones, even though he was trying to give it, trying to give him a glowing record there, it just for some reason it sounded rough on my ears. Uh, I do agree with you though. I, I do have some worries about the the football team against Josh Allen, and as we spoke about last week, their mobile quarterback issues with Daniel Jones, who ran all over them. I do have more confidence in the football team to cover the spread though of seven and a half. It is over that key number of seven, obviously, and. The line's pretty big, given that the football team is coming off of a long week, having played on Thursday last week. So I think they'll have they'll have plenty of time to kind of clean up that defensive issue they had with Daniel Jones and and hopefully improve on it. I'm not too worried about the Bills' backfield, but uh, I think it will be pretty close to that line of seven and a half. And moving to another game where the line is hovering right around seven, seven and a half. That is Eric's Bears traveling to Cleveland. So two straight weeks. They're playing AFC North competition going at Browns. And Brendan, I want to go to you on this one as well, because the last couple of weeks you've been pretty high on the Browns, but this week we're all on the Bears. We're all taking a step back. Why are you not so high on the Browns anymore? It's not really that I'm not high on the Browns. I think the Browns are still a decent team. Again, I I don't think they're going to go super far, but I, I did like them in the matchup specifically against the Chiefs. This is a big ask of the Browns, though. I mean, we don't even know if Baker's healthy for sure. Um, I think Justin Fields has a lot to prove. I think he's going to come out and be a dynamic uh, playmaker for this Bears offense and really change the scheme of things. I thought he had a decent week last week. He had some uh, some good looks and wasn't really helped out. Big drop by Allen Robinson. Uh, hit him right in the hands, and, and that probably should have been a touchdown. But uh, I do like the Bears getting seven points, even though they are in Cleveland just because I think this is probably going to be a close game for a while, and I think it's going to finish as a one-score game, so I'll take the key number of seven there. Which, uh, you know, win, lose, or draw, I think this will be an exciting week for Bears fans, so we'll have to check in with Eric next week to, to see his evaluation of Justin Fields' first start. Uh, another game where we're all on the same team, that is Ravens-Lions, and I think we can I can speak for the rest of my co-hosts when – I say that this is a, a pretty easy one. We're all going Ravens, um, and we're not really even disturbed even a little bit by the fact that they're giving eight points. 
Obviously, the Ravens coming off a huge win against the Chiefs. The Lions, after an impressive showing, even in a loss week one, definitely trended in the opposite direction. And you have to think that if the Ravens can hang with Patrick Mahomes and get a win, that they can outclass Jared Goff, especially if Lamar Jackson continues to play, especially like the second half we saw him what he was able to do against the Chiefs yeah and for this one I'm curious to know if the Lions defense is going to continue playing too high safety what they did against the Packers in which the Packers just continued running the ball and that's obviously not going to work against the Ravens here so yeah you, you that would seem to be a faux pas if they continue that way but uh, I think that is something that you see with you know teams that are maybe not the most talented is exactly. that they just kind of stick they just kind of stick to one strategy and they say if, if it works it works if not we're not supposed to win these games anyway um, now, moving on to one where we are again split. Uh, this time it is Brendan who is leaving the flock and being the black sheep. That is Colts at Titans. Uh, for me personally, and Eric, you can chime in on this one if you want to, but I, I definitely want to hear Brendan's thoughts on his pick here. I went with the Titans just because I, I was pretty impressed uh, with how their offense played last week and just expect that to sort of continue over against an offensively kind of sluggish Colts team and uh, score enough points to cover that five. But Brendan, what has you on the Colts? Like, I'm really intrigued to hear your explanation here. Uh, I mean, the main thing for me, I think the Colts have underperformed. I think Jonathan Taylor specifically has underperformed in the red zone. And I think uh, he's kind of had some tough luck. Um, Not necessarily playing poorly, but especially for fantasy owners, he hasn't accidentally stumbled into the end zone yet. And I think this Titans team uh, is liable to be hurt by the run this week. I, I think the Colts get the ball moving early and kind of control the pace of play a little better than the Titans might expect, given that they just came off of a tough-fought game. And I think this might be a letdown week, honestly. I think they're feeling really good about you know Derrick Henry getting going. Um, I did say that I think A.J. Brown and Julio Jones both have good games, but I do think that this game turns out to be more of a shootout than expected. So I think the Colts stay in it for a long time. I'll take the five points I'm getting with the Colts. This, again, is one of the picks I wasn't super confident in this week, but, um, you know, nonetheless, I'm, I'm a little higher on this Colts team despite them having a tough start. This yeah, week. I won't discard anything that Brennan says. The only thing I'm concerned about, and one of the reasons why I picked the Titans here, is it, it doesn't seem like Carson Wentz is healthy and... It, he has both of his ankles injured this week, and I have no confidence in Jacob Eason, his backup, in playing well this week. Uh, so I, whether he's going to be on short, uh, like short on practice if Carson Wentz does play, or they're going to have a backup quarterback playing, I think I would more likely take the safer side in the Titans here. Yeah, like someone said on Twitter, uh, football, the only sport where you sprain the first ankle and then you go out and you keep trying to play. Uh, so Carson, Carson Wentz, yeah. Again, another reason why I'm not super high on the Colts. A team I am higher on, though, than either of you, though, is the Chiefs coming off that loss, laying six and a half points. So they are the favorites at home against the Chargers. And honestly, I think this was the most surprising one for me this week that both of you are on the Chargers after, from my perspective, what was a really lackluster offensive performance against a bad Dallas defense. And now they got to keep up scoring with the Chiefs. So I'm on the Chiefs, but you both are on the Chargers. You're going to have to convince me on this one because I just don't see it. Eric, I'll let you take this one. I mean, for for me, I have a lot of faith in what I'm seeing in Justin Herbert. He's obviously not getting the touchdown passes and a lot, but he's definitely moving the ball. I mean, I think he's thrown for over 330 yards 
I think he's actually averaging about 336 and a half. Like he had 336 first game, 337 second game. Like he's consistently moving the ball uh, well, and then I think they're going to get Austin Eckler more involved. And for the Chiefs, if you look at their divisional matchups, actually all of last year, uh, they were played close by every one of their uh, division mates in the Broncos, the Raiders, and the Chargers last year. And I think that's going to be consistent this year as well when they have divisional matchups. Uh, and obviously this, this Chargers, the Chiefs one's the biggest one. Uh, in this early slate here, and I think the Chargers are going to keep it close here. Yeah, I mean, I would love. That's exactly the. Re- yeah, sorry. No, no. I was, I was quickly say that's exactly that's exactly the same reason I'm on the Chargers is is because their division mates clearly are building football teams around that they think they need to go after and beat the Chiefs and try and take this division from them. I I get that. I just don't see how unless they take a massive step forward, I would love for this game to be competitive because I really like this Chargers team. Not to mention that I think there are like three Northwestern alumni on the Chargers roster. Uh, and so I would love to see them, you know, play well, but I I just don't know how, I just don't see them scoring enough points to um, to cover this line. That, and that's really the 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 only thing here. Um, and so moving to another game where we probably aren't going to see a lot of points scored, and that is Saints-Patriots. We're all on the Patriots. Eric, I want to hear from you again because you, I think, are the highest one on the Patriots uh, on this podcast. Do you think this is a Patriots game where they comfortably cover this three-point spread that they're laying down, or is it is it sort of a nail-biter throughout for betters? I definitely think it's going to be a nail-biter throughout. I mean, the over-under here is at 42 points, so obviously Vegas thinks it's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, with uh, solid defenses, both on the Saints and Patriots side, I definitely think that it will be close throughout. However, I'm pretty high on the Patriots' defense overall this season, which is why I'm sticking with the Patriots here. Gotcha, yeah. No, I, I think, it, again, after what we saw against a good Carolina defense, uh, it wouldn't surprise me to be against probably a better Patriots defense if the Saints struggle once again. Um, I just don't, I don't know. I'm not all that sold on the Mac Jones experience yet, but maybe uh, we see him take a step forward this week. And then, Brendan, I want to throw it to you on this Falcons-Giants game because, once again, my man, you are higher on the Falcons than I think any of us are even close to on this podcast you're picking not only Falcons getting the three points from the Giants, but Falcons straight up? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of leaked my my taper earlier by saying that I, I like Daniel Jones in this matchup against the Falcons defense, but you're right. I am very, very high on the Falcons uh, compared to the general public, and I think this is uh, a game that they need to win, and I think that they can definitely go into New York and take a hold of this team who just had a big letdown loss Uh, in primetime last week, as we know, against the football team. And even though I think Daniel Jones has a decent game fantasy-wise, I do think that he has some more issues holding on to the ball, especially when he gets out into space. And these Falcons defensive players are definitely going to be looking to lay that big hit after he gets past the front seven. So the fact fact that the Falcons have been outscored by 49 points in the first two weeks, that, that doesn't concern you at all. Not at all. This is Daniel Jones we're talking about. I mean, he's going to find a way to lose the game. This is the Giants. This is not, you know, a, a dominant team that just won a Super Bowl who happened to score a bunch of points at the end of that game, by the way. Uh, I did think that the Falcons' defense looked worse than I expected them to, even against Tom Brady last week. Obviously, they put up a ton of points. But 
I got I got confidence in my boys to come back, and I think they're going to run the ball all over the foul, uh, all over the Giants. Excuse me with uh Cordell Patterson Patterson stepping it up all right well we'll have to see if that one plays out I I still think it's a pretty easy cover for Daniel Jones and the Giants especially after they played a little bit better than expected last week against the football team but I think this go ahead I think this game is a complete (laughs) toss-up like if you look at last year's records which these teams are kind of similar to what they were last year I think the Falcons are two and six on the road against the spread and the Giants are two and six at home against the spread and both of these teams are 0-2 this year. They don't look particularly great, but I'm also rolling with the Giants, like you're saying, John. Um, based on how Danny Jones is looking, I think the Gi- their defense is a little better. And so, Eric, we move along. Uh, we did actually have to say goodbye to Brendan um, because he had to jump off, couldn't stick around for the whole recording. But some Brendan is better than no Brendan, and so we are definitely happy to have had him for these first couple of games. Closing out the... Uh, early slate though of games we have Bengals at Steelers and it hurts me to say this but we are all on the Bengals getting about three points it was bet down from three and a half and uh, I mean I don't know how you see this one exactly Eric I just don't know that the Steelers even if they win this game I just feel like they're not going to score enough to really cover this line. Yeah, I think the interesting question is actually who's going to win this game. I actually am pretty confident it's going to be a pretty close game. Obviously, the Steelers have been in low-scoring games, and their offense hasn't looked particularly great uh, with their offensive line that they have been having in front of them. And, I mean, the Bengals can throw the ball around with Joe Burrow slinging it. So I think it's going to be a close game for sure. I'm Kirsten, who do you think is actually going to win this game, John? I think to me this entirely swings on whether or not T.J. Watt plays Mm -hmm. and whether or not T.J. Watt is close to healthy because T.J. Watt left pretty early, um, I believe, with a groin injury against the Raiders. He already had had a sack, um, and I think he is, you know, in the time that he's been on the field this year, he's been one-off, if not the best defensive player in football. And so if he's playing... I think that can provide the point or two difference that the Steelers need to win. If he's not playing, uh, we're going to need to see a big step up from this offensive line to, you know, get some more running room for Najee Harris to give Ben Roethlisberger, who's also banged up a little bit more time in the pocket. I know Ben likes to get it out there quick now in his old age, but even still, um, I think the Steelers can win this. But it wouldn't surprise me if they won it like 21-20 or or something like that. Um, And that's why I had to pick the Bengals with the points, just because, like I said, I don't know that there's going to be enough points scored by the Steelers to really get this done. I agree with that sentiment entirely. And I would also go with the Steelers probably in this game, mostly based on the confidence of for Mike Tomlin to kind of figure this game out for him and kind of like grind it out. but, yeah, like you said, this is going to be a close game, I think, throughout. And they're certainly capable of doing that, right? Like, they have the defense. They, you know, maybe have the running game to do that. Um, but we'll just see. Uh, and then a game I think we're, you know, we're all on the same page again. But I think this one we're, you know, very certain about how this one's going to play out. Cardinals, who are 2-0 and and maybe the most surprising two, they're laying seven. So giving seven to the Jaguars. But we're all on the Cardinals still. And after, again, I described it as stuck in second gear for the Jaguars. The Cardinals are in like fifth or sixth gear. So I don't see how the the Jaguars 
can stop them from just running right past them. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that Kyler Murray's been on fire and is going to, I mean, either run the ball all over the Jaguars or throw the ball over the Jaguars. I think the one question that's most curious about this game is one that we had before we were recording, unfortunately, um, is this over-under line of 52. I think some may say that, and some I would say Brendan, uh, would say the Jaguars won't put up a lot of points, so I don't know if they come close to 52 in his mind, but I guess we won't know for sure, so I won't put any words in his mouth. Um, I think it's going to be more likely to be over this 52 mark and kind of be a shootout based on the pace of play for both this Cardinals and Jaguars team. I think they're definitely going to chuck the ball around, and whether the Jaguars are successful or not, they're going to be giving the ball back to the Cardinals. Cardinals probably going to score fast, give the ball right back to the Jaguars, and we're going to see some points. Yeah, I mean, the Cardinals are averaging uh, 36 points a game right now, and I don't see that going down against this Jaguars team um, that has been pretty that has been taken advantage of by some pretty mediocre offenses in the Broncos and the Texans. Um, you know, offenses that are certainly below the caliber of what Arizona has going for it right now. And so I easily think they could hit 40 points and then the Jaguars only have to hit like 12. So 12 or 13, uh, even, even with a lackluster start to the season, I think they're capable of doing that against a Jaguar or a Cardinals defense, excuse me, that has some good pieces, but overall top to bottom is a, is a little inconsistent. Um, so I, I think the over probably is the safe play there too. Yeah, maybe we'll get uh, Brendan to tweet out what his over-under projection would be for this this game. Yeah, we'll have to hit him up after after we finish uh, this recording and and you know say hey, you jumped off early. Now you uh, owe us some uh, social media production <laughs> here, big dog. Put him to work. Um, and so moving from that into what I think is clearly the non-prime time matchup of the week, as I've been as I've been starting to call them. Um, and that is the first game that we're going to highlight from the later slate of games, and that's Bucks at Rams. Two teams that I think right now, and and maybe there's another name you want to throw in there, Eric, but I think if, if you made me pick, these are the top two teams in the NFC. Um, and so maybe this is a potential NFC championship preview, maybe not, but Bucks have gone from the slight underdog to the slight favorite. Remember, this game is in L.A., and... As a result, I'm on the Rams. Eric, are you also on the Rams just because they're getting that point or point and a half? Uh, I mean, I want to say necessarily because of the point or point and a half. I mean, this is effectively a, a pick'em game, I think. Um, but I think to Brendan's credit, also, uh, he's not as high on the Bucks, and obviously, I think this is a game that I even projected the Bucks to lose uh, when we we're doing our season predictions. I kind of went through all the games, kind of picked who I thought would win. And I'm going to stay with the Rams based on what I've seen from them the first two weeks and seeing kind of the uh, liabilities or holes that the Buccaneers have on defense. I think this Matthew Stafford Cooper Cup connection is going to be amazing moving forward still. And I think they just need to get Robert Woods more involved, Tyler Higby, some of those other pieces involved so they don't kind of get too one dimensional. Um, but I think the Rams are going to be creative enough at home to pull this game out against the Buccaneers because obviously I don't think the Buccaneers are going to go 17-0 and this year. Yeah, so for me, I think part of the reason I went with the Rams is because I just don't like 
rooting for Tom Brady. And if I had picked the Bucks, that's ultimately what I would have had to do. Um, and the other, the other reason being is, like you said, I have a lot of, I have Cooper Cup on my fantasy team. I want Brady to lose. I, I like seeing how this Stafford McVeigh connection in LA continues to evolve. And so, for a lot of just personal reasons, I want to the the Rams to win. And I think that really did sway my pick. But I'm just so nervous about this one betting against Tom Brady. This seems like the kind of game where he's going up against Aaron Donald. He's going up against Jalen Ramsey. There are going to be people saying, oh, this is where, you know, he starts to show his age, this, that, and the other. And it just feels like one of those games where Tom Brady comes out and says, F you, I'm still the GOAT. I'm still Tom Brady. And so, so that has me nervous. Not nervous enough necessarily to pick the Bucks, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if come recording time next week, we're talking about how the Bucks looked really impressive once again. They pulled out a nice victory once again, and they're 3-0 and heading into week four. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't be a surprise. And based on how close the game with the Rams and the Colts were, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams lose either. But I'm, I'm curious to know, with this over-under of 55 and a half, I'm curious to know what, how you think this game is going to play out, John. Do you think – these are two great defenses, uh, by the way, for those listening. Uh, we've been mentioning a lot of the offensive pieces, but, I mean, this, this, these defenses are good enough to shut the other team down. So this is an interesting line for me, this, this over-under – uh, point value so I'm curious to know who you're gonna or which side you're gonna go on John yeah Brendan went with the under on this one just because he's not here to say that so I'll say it for him um I I think I want to go with the under just because uh, and I and I think that's probably where it goes but I do see a world where one of these teams comes out firing offensively on all cylinders they get up into the 30s. I, I I don't think either of us expect this to be a runaway game, no matter who wins. So if I think one of these teams can get up into the 30s, then you're talking about a pretty uh, easy hit for the under. Um, I'm just not as confident after the Rams uh, didn't play as well offensively as I expected them to last week against the Colts, even though Cooper Cup was still amazing. Um, so I'm going to go the under just for that reason. But it wouldn't shock me if we saw an over. Oh, so okay, so we both we have Brendan and John both going with the under here of this fifty-five and a half. Uh, I'm, I probably wouldn't put money on it. <laughs> Honestly, well, this this is a very no. This is a very yeah no. This is a hard game to bet. Yeah, like a really hard this, game to bet. So if I weren't if I wasn't gonna put money on it, I think I would go with the over here. And for one, I can see this playing out kind of like that Buccaneers Cowboys game. But I'm going to go even one step further. I think this could even play out like the Rams-Chiefs game that was back in 2018. Ooh, spicy. Where uh, I believe the final score was 54-51. to 51. So one of the teams almost hit the over-under by themselves here. So I think this is one that could be surprising for a lot of people, and they think this defense is show up. And the uh, Rams and the Bucks kind of come out here and uh, move the ball pretty well. And... They, I kind of easily get it over this uh, over under 55 and a half. I'm just uh, hoping this is not in the, you know, I would love to see the over, even though I picked the under, I'm just really hoping this is not in the vein of the, probably the most famous game Tom Brady has had against the Rams 
the uh, thirteen to three Super Bowl win from a couple years back. Uh, as long as we don't get a game like that game, I'm cool. Um, but it would be fun to see an over. It would be definitely be fun to see a recreation, uh, more or less, of that Rams Chiefs games that you're talking about. That was a that was a classic shootout and probably uh, the best game offensively that McVeigh has has put together. Um, so speaking of offense, you know, we're expecting a decent amount in this game and I pulled some props here, Eric. Uh, I'm going to start with the two ones for the quarterback. We have Brady at over under three Oh, six and a half yards. And then Stafford little surprising on this one for me. Um, less than Brady over under two ninety seven and a half passing yards. Uh, if you had to go, you know, if you had to make bets on these props on the quarterbacks, which one Which one are you riding with? Or are, are you taking overs on both, unders on both? How do you see this, Eric? Uh, I think to kind of buy into my over here, I think I have to pick over for all of these props that you have going on here. Uh, this this Brady over 306 and a half passing yards and the Stafford over 295 and a half passing yards. I think that discrepancy might be because Daryl Henderson is better than the combination of Ronald Jones and Leonard Burnett. So they probably have Brady throw the ball more. But I think this is going to be a shootout. Um, so I think both of them are going to be, I don't know, somewhere between 330 and 430 yards. And that Stafford one definitely could swing because Henderson right now is questionable for that game mm-hmm. with a rib injury. Um, and so you, you have to feel that maybe if he doesn't play or if he – if there's news out of LA that he might be limited, um, you definitely, I think, become more confident about that uh, under. And while I desperately want to go under for Brady as, or excuse me, you become more confident about the Stafford over. And while I want to go under for Brady, again, I just don't feel like I can bet against Tom Brady in this one, uh, which I already kind of did in picking the Rams and in picking the under, but it wouldn't surprise me. I'll I'll still go the over. this could end up being a game, in my opinion, where you see a lot of a lot of red zone field goals, a lot of bend don't break. So you make it a lot of yards out of these guys, but not um, necessarily as many points. And then the last prop, and I thought this was a little bit insulting based on what we've seen off of the first two weeks. So I wanted to throw this in here. It had Cooper Cup over under 78 and a half receiving yards. I don't know about you, Eric. This seems like a pretty easy over to me. Yeah, I would agree. I think there's a world where uh, Stafford starts passing the Robert Woods more because they cover a cup a little bit more. But I think if the Rams are going to keep pace, they definitely need to keep Cup involved, who is Stafford's favorite weapon. So I think it's a pretty easy over like you're suggesting here. And so moving out of that that you know first matchup that we highlight, moving into the rest of the um, – the afternoon slate, the, the later afternoon slate on Sunday, uh, we have Jets Broncos and Eric. You and Brendan are both taking the Jets plus ten and a half. I don't see it this way. I think if Zach Wilson is going to struggle against the Patriots defense the way he did, there is every much as likelihood that he struggles against this Broncos defense who I think has the potential on any given day to be better than the Patriots defense because of their pass rushers. I don't think the Patriots have quite as good of a pass rush as the Broncos. And so I'm going to lay the 10.5 points with the Broncos at 
at home, give me those Broncos. Give them the points. I think we might have Zach Wilson seeing ghosts again this week. Oh, that's that's interesting. Ghosts all around with the Jets. I, I think that's a fair pick. I, I definitely don't fault you for taking the Broncos here. I think for my perspective, and I won't speak for Brendan, who's also taking the Jets here, uh, to cover those 10.5 points or, or to take those 10.5 points, uh, from my perspective, this is the lowest over-under of the week with 41 uh, projected total. And in my mind, when it's a low-scoring affair, it's less likely for a team to be that far in front of the other team. Uh, I think this is a game where Teddy Bridgewater could go back into his game manager role and just kind of let the ball run and uh, take a little more checkdowns, kind of keep control of the clock so that the game doesn't get away from them and kind of give the game away to the Jets. Um, and the Jets are going to struggle against this Broncos defense, so I just don't see them scoring a lot. And But I think this game overall is just going to be close enough where it doesn't even breach that 10.5 mark to be like a high enough uh, possibility. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. And that's probably the biggest hole in my pick of the Broncos. But we'll see. I, I think they can get it done. I have that much faith in, the, faith in their defense. And moving on to a game where, where again, we have a, a unanimous pick here. And I think this is probably one of the pretty easier unanimous picks. It's Raiders. They're giving four points to the Dolphins. But the Dolphins have their backup quarterback. The Raiders are playing much better than we expected as another surprising team that currently sits at 2-0. So we're all on the Raiders here. And, and to me, this may be, have been the easiest pick of the week. I, well, okay, I will agree it's probably the easiest pick of the week, but I will say that this also screams kind of a trap game in my mind that and everyone's going to buy into this Raiders here because they clearly look great. But I think one thing I mentioned when we were talking about NFL season predictions is that the Raiders are kind of perennially an eight, a 500 team. They're 2-0, they're 2-0 now, and we could definitely see them losing a gimme here against this Dolphins team uh, despite... Uh, their Dolphins not having Tua leading the pack. Derek Carr is slightly injured. He might have a bum ankle. Um, so we'll see how he plays this week. But this is, could also be a game where the Dolphins' defense, uh, which we have said is a pretty good defense. Uh, take, what we thought. Yeah, well, I think that Josh Allen game um, against the Bills was kind of an outlier in my mind because they lost their quarterback and they weren't able to get the ball moving a lot. Um, so they put the defense on their heels a lot. I think this is a game where they kind of reset and the defense kind of takes it on their back to maybe keep this game a little close. I will take the safer pick and the Raiders here, but I could imagine a world where this defense team steps up, picks off their car three times and scores two touchdowns on their own and the Dolphins offense doesn't do anything. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I'm confident in the Raiders. I'll gladly give the four uh, another game where I'm happy to give the points, but Eric is happy to receive the points. Eric, this may be the only game where I think this week where you are in the minority, um, and that is Seahawks at Vikings. Seahawks, it's been bet down to a uh, as to the Seahawks one and a half point favorite. So Vikings getting one and a half. Eric, what has you all hyped up for uh, the guys from up north? In my mind, the Vikings are kind of a coin toss, and it sounds like the Seahawks kind of are as well. I think the Seahawks gave away their game against the Titans, and it doesn't look like their defense is looking any better this year. I think the Vikings have a lot of potent 
weapons on their offense. In uh, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Delvin Cook, uh, and Kirk Cousins leading the pack, I think they'll definitely keep this game close enough where I would take those points at home. And I, for, in my mind, I just find it unlikely that the Vikings are going to fall 0-3 this year. They obviously blew a game against the Bengals, but I think they're good enough to beat this Seahawks team at home with the weapons that they have. Well, they blew two games, right? They lost to the Bengals in overtime, and then they missed the kick to that would have beat the Cardinals. Um, And so that's true. And but I would argue, not but, but I would argue that the Vikings played up to the Cardinals level because I don't think the Vikings are as good as as the Cardinals. So I think the Vikings will also step up here, playing their first home game against the Seahawks here, and step up and, and keep this game close. Yeah, I think it just I just think it would be funny because this definitely can be a close game, no doubt about that. But I just think it would be funny if we once again had a Vikings kicking mishap. Um, if you'll remember several years ago when they were playing in Minnesota outdoors while the new stadium was being built, they lost a playoff game on a pretty easy shanked field goal um, for the Vikings. And so after shanking one again last week, um, I, I think that's a big reason for me why I picked the Seahawks. I just don't trust the Viking Vikings to make the kicks that they might need to uh, pull this one out. So I'm on the Seahawks. Brendan's on the Seahawks. Eric is on the Vikings taking the points. So that should be interesting. And then moving ahead to the Monday night matchup, before we get a little bit deeper into the Sunday night matchup, it's Eagles at Cowboys. Cowboys giving now three and a half, bet down from four. Um, We are both on the Cowboys, but Brendan, too bad he's not here still, on the Eagles. Eric, do you see a world where the Eagles pull this off or are they, you know, backdoor cover? Oh, I mean, I definitely see a world. I think anything can happen in this division. And I think it's a perennial theme for this division that honestly anybody in this division can win. Uh, I, I could still see a world where the Giants pull it out or the Eagles win the division. One football team hasn't looked that great. And the Cowboys uh, has been kind of up and down. Their offense didn't look great that against the Chargers last week. So I could see them stalling out. We'll see how healthy Amari Cooper looks after he got his rib injury at the end of the game last week. Uh, so I can definitely see a world where they stall against this divisional matchup against the Eagles. That being said, I think the Cowboys are, I mean, in my mind, still clearly the better team. And I think they'll be able to control Jalen Hurts here, and they'll be able to move the ball more efficiently uh, against this Eagles defense. Yeah, my the big question I have here is, and I don't think we've really proven it yet, how good is this Eagles defense? Because so far this season, they're only allowing eight, eight and a half points a game. And that's pretty good. But I think this week we're going to see whether that that's a real eight and a half points a game or whether that's eight and a half points a game uh, going up against a bad Falcons team and a 49ers team that I think is still struggling to figure out their personnel on offense. Um, and so... With that being the case, if the Eagles can once again prove that this defense is as good as it has looked uh, the first couple of weeks, then, yeah, they have a chance to, you know, cover this line and, um, you know, either win the game outright or, like I said, get a backdoor cover. I just don't believe in it, um, and they may prove me wrong, but I'm if I'm going to, you know, put my money on something, it's the Dallas offense more so than the Philly defense. So, and then, like promised, we're moving back into the Sunday night game. We have another one that I think should be a really good game. Uh, Those 49ers that I just talked about, they're hosting 
the Packers. And once again, when it comes to these picks, I am the one that is taking the path less traveled. I am giving the points, taking the 49ers. Yes, the Packers just look great on Monday Night Football. But to me, I think the 49ers defense is putting it together after a poor performance against the Lions in week one. Um, And I just don't know what the Packers are yet. I don't think the Monday night game against the Lions proves anything. Um, I think that this could be a Packers team that is a bit Jekyll and Hyde. You know, it's it's one thing one week and another thing the other week. And for that reason, I will take the 49ers. But Eric, I know you you don't agree with that. Well, no, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. I, this was definitely a hard pick for me. Uh, the 49ers and Packers have played a couple of times the past three years in particular. And honestly, I don't think any of them have been very close. I think the winner of this game wins by at least a touchdown. I just The question, real question is who we think is going to win, I think, in my mind. Um, it, it was a little different for me to pick the Packers as well. But after their, I guess, relaxed game, um, against the Saints, uh, they coming out and uh, Aaron Rodgers getting back into the groove and kind of showing up against the Lions. I would put my money on Aaron Rodgers at the moment and him kind of flinging the ball around against 49ers. I have a lot more questions about in their uh, in their secondary in my mind and how they're gonna, uh, I guess, contain a lot of the weapons that the Packers have. Uh, and I have a lot of questions on the 49ers offense as well. How healthy they're backfield is going to be how efficiently jimmy garoppolo is going to be um so in from that perspective i think the packers are still the better team here and i think the packers are going to pull this one out yeah to your point the last three games um between these two teams uh packers played the 49ers um in san francisco last year they won by 17 uh 49ers again this is the 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 last three games all have been in san francisco so but then uh two years ago in the playoffs i believe this was the nfc championship game uh it was 37 20 in favor of the 49ers the same year that result was uh 37 to 8 in the regular season 49ers over the packers that was the year the 49ers went to the super bowl and lost to the chiefs um, so we'll see which team this 49ers team is more similar to. One thing I would look for, and I, I know Kyle Shanahan has been very uh, staunch in the fact that this is Jimmy Garoppolo's team until, you know, saying otherwise. But if there are packages in this San Francisco 49ers offense for Trey Lance, and we didn't see Trey Lance really get any run last week, but if there are packages for uh trey lance in this offense i think this is the game you want to try to break them out because the packers have historically struggled against uh mobile quarterbacks i mean i remember the playoff the year i believe it was that san francisco went to the super bowl with uh colin kaepernick at quarterback kaepernick rushed for something like 200 yards in a playoff game against the packers and so i think maybe just maybe we see a bit of a a Trey Lance package in this game and that could make the difference um in terms of the 49ers covering this spread and coming out with a win yeah if anything the NFL guys could say oh Justin Fields is starting let's start Trey Lance too so it's definitely a world war yeah I don't know that they're gonna go that far especially because Garoppolo did play decently well against the Eagles last week didn't put up big numbers but he, he 
you know, was effective and efficient. Um, and so I don't know if we're going to go that far, but I think we hopefully, I guess maybe this is more of a hope than a think, but, but hopefully we see more Trey Lance in this game, even if it is in sort of just spots here and there. And I think that's what could make the difference. And now Eric, that being said, we're both on the under in this one. Are you saying we as in you and Brendan or we as in you and me? Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. I read, I did, I did read that wrong. I did read that wrong. I saw two, I saw two unders, and I was like, oh, so it's the two of us because Brendan left. No, no, it's Brendan and I are on the under. Eric, where do you fall on that? Uh, this was a tough one for me. The line is at forty nine and a half. Uh, John did read out a couple of the results for the last couple of matchups that they had. And I think for that reason, I'm more likely to lean on the over here, and if not, just to be different from my co-host here. Uh, I think both of these teams have been, I mean, the winner has put up over 30 points in each of their matchups, I think. So I think it's more likely that this game goes over, and it's less of a defensive matchup that some people are expecting from the 49ers. And the ball gets moved around, and they hit, I mean, much closer to the 55 mark, I think. Would you agree, though, that if this game is an over, that more so favors the Packers no I, I wouldn't say that at all I, I I think I think Jimmy Garoppolo can easily get the spread ball around if they get Brandon Ayuk uh, hopefully more in, involved and kind of getting him out in space and then Debo Samuel still burning as long as he's staying healthy uh, maybe they get George Kittle more involved to get those yardage moving uh, they have the weapons there to definitely score a lot of points on this Packers defense uh, I, I it's a real toss-up as for me as to who's going to win. I think the Packers are going to win uh, based on what I've seen from them. But whoever wins, I think, is going to I mean, put up over 30 points and have more than a touchdown lead against, this, uh, against the other team. See, I think if it's an over game, I think that pretty clearly favors the Packers. Um, at least that's just where I'm coming from. I think San Francisco would be much more comfortable in a uh, low-scoring affair. But maybe I'm wrong here. Either way, that is a game I'm very excited to watch. I will be tuning into that one, um, see if the 49ers can pull that out. And so we have come to the final segment of the show where we once again will spin the wheel. And while we spin in, as a reminder, everyone, uh, we're, we're picking uh, different games here and to kind of pick different props for, uh, whether it be the money line or the over-under or, or a game prop or a player prop, and we're going to put that together in a parlay. Uh, we've been switching the order around the past couple of podcasts, and now I believe, John, you're first. Is that right? It's who's spinning right now? That's right. I am first. And with, with Wheelmaster Brendan taking an early leave from action, I'll spin my own wheel here. And so it's spinning. All right. And it's stopping on a game that I'm not excited to pick for, <laughs> even though my favorite team is playing. That is Bengals at Steelers. Um, what are the odds? So, uh, yeah, I know, I know. Um, and so I'm not going to get too deep into this one. Um, I'm not going to, cause getting too deep would probably just make me more nervous and depressed about how this matchup is going to go. I'm going to go, um, under in this one. Like I said, uh, not expecting a whole lot of points in there. So I'm going under 44 points in this game. Um, regardless of the result, hopefully it's a Steelers win, but we'll see. Uh, and then we, had to pre-spin the wheel for Brendan, so not as much uh, intrigue here because we knew that he was going to have to jump off early, so we pre-spun the wheel for Brendan. He landed on Cardinals at Jaguars. He also took 
a pretty easy road for this one. He went Cardinals uh, minus seven and a half. Like we said, we're all pretty high on the uh, Cardinals in this one. And Brendan went so far as saying in our uh, sort of pre-recording conversations that he thinks it's more likely that the Jaguars get shut out in this one um, due to he expects another big day from that Cardinals defensive line led by Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt. He thinks it's more likely the Cardinals get shut out in this one than, or the Jaguars, excuse me, get shut out in this one than they keep it close with the Cardinals. So we'll see if that one plays out. Bold <laughs> statements there by Brendan. I, I think, yeah, I think it's good for the sake of our parlay that John went first and picked, took the over under away option, uh, option away from Brendan here <laughs> to Stick him with the the line here. All right, and so Eric, you have the last roll of the dice, the last spin of the wheel. So go ahead, spin your wheel, see what you land up with. All right, it's a big wheel, everyone. So let's take a crack at this. And fantastic, I'm getting the uh, Saints at the Patriots. The Patriots are currently the bane of my existence for the spin the wheel game uh, with. Uh, Picking off Zach Wilson four times last uh, last game and not letting him punt. Uh, I'm kind of stalling because I can't take the easy options of over, over under and the line here. So I'm looking through game props. And I think I'm going to take one with plus odds here. And I am going to roll with the largest lead of the game being under 13 and a half the entire game. I think it'll be a close game throughout, and I don't think anyone's going to necessarily uh, pull away. There might be a 13-point lead, maybe, um, but I don't think anyone is even good enough to score 14, like, two touchdowns in a row uh, in this defensive matchup. Yeah, definitely expecting a uh, uh, low-scoring affair in that one. Defense is maybe going to rule the day, um, and so... I believe, uh, let me put all those odds together. I believe that gives us odds this week as I put them into a system that tells me what the odds actually are. That's going to give me odds this week of plus 649. So if you want to go get those bets in on the official wheel parlay of Line em Up, go do it. You get yourself some plus 649 odds. And eventually, we're going to hit. We've been close the first two weeks. I think we've been two out of three both of the first two weeks. So eventually, we're going to hit. Um, and hopefully it's this week. But with that, unfortunately, Eric, we once again come to the close of an episode of Line Em Up. Uh, this certainly has me super excited for NFL football this weekend, uh, starting tomorrow night or, or tonight uh, when this podcast comes out uh, with those your second favorite team this year, the Carolina Panthers, taking on those Texans. So I know you're excited, Eric. Um, but thank you once again for being here, holding it down. And thanks for Brendan for showing up for half the episode. Yeah, thanks everyone.